there was a race, uh, I think this is the fourth year they've had it, called Resolutions. Isn't that a great name uh, for a, a race? And it was, what was the temperature? I think Saber Hicks knows. 19 degrees. And the reason Saber knows is because she was uh, duped in, I mean, she was asked to go and serve there at that race yesterday uh, with 19 degree weather as it began. Uh, in the newspaper, I looked to see if she was in there, to see if there was this, this frozen person <laughs> off to the side. I didn't, I didn't recognize her in any of the uh, pictures. But as you look at these, and I saw a little bit on the TV, uh, on the news about it last night, these dedicated runners were out there. Uh, one guy was in shorts, I noticed. Uh, he had a uh, toboggan on and some gloves and then shorts. 19 degrees. I mean, these were some committed dedicated runners. And one of them they interviewed said that uh, this was something he knew he needed to do. He needed to start running in the new year. And so he was there. I would not have been there. Obviously, I wasn't there. And uh, Sabra somehow signed up for this. uh, And she was dedicated to her missional ministry activity. And I told her that we would award her here today for uh, going out there and pointing people in the right direction. Apparently, she was going to take a selfie, but her, front, her phone was frozen, and she was not able to do that. So I admire those people who make a resolution, they see something big they need to do in their lives, and then they take the step to go out and to do it. And that challenges all of us. Well, today, as we have heard from our Scripture Uh, there are some big things that God is doing in the world and that God has done in the past and that God is wanting to do now and that God has planned to do in the future. We see people in Scripture who have found their, uh, their lives as a part of God's plan along the way. Whatever part of history uh, they were in, they participated with God. And you'll notice up here uh, this uh, epiphanal picture. We see uh, sometimes at Christmas time we put in the wise men, right? We throw them into the mix and we think that they were there at the birth of Christ. Uh, we understand that came later, right? And that's what we celebrate with Epiphany. And you'll notice down here on this board, uh, we've gone from Advent to Christmas and now uh, as of Thursday, Thursday was Epiphany. Uh, and the, uh, the time when we recognize that the wise men were directed by the star to go to where Jesus was, and they brought him just as a religious test to see who remembers what they brought him. What were the three things? Oh, Sunday school kids right here. What did the wise men, this is not a joke, what did the wise men bring to baby Jesus? Myrrh, whatever that is, right? Okay. Smelled it. All right, what else? Caleb? Myrrh, okay. How about, what's the other one? It's kind of a weird... Frankincense, okay. All right, and what else? Gold, okay. So these, uh, these guys were uh, studying the heavens. They were studying the stars. They were paying a lot of attention. They were also in tune with the spiritual things going on around them. And they were hearing things about something great that was going to happen in the skies. 
And not only in the skies, it would affect things on earth or what they understood to be in the world around them. And so they traveled a great distance uh, to get to where Jesus was born and they brought these gifts to dedicate them to, uh, to Jesus. And so uh, this is what Epiphany, um, the season of Epiphany or how it begins. And it is this breaking in of, uh, of the light of God into the world. It is the recognition of how God has manifested into a uh, flesh and blood human body. And we celebrate that and we recognize that God is speaking to us. God is not only speaking, but God is living among us in Jesus Christ. And so this is the, uh, the part that we begin with here. And we shift gears rather quickly uh, and get into... Um, the um, early adulthood of Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. But as we think about the great things that God is doing, we see that God reveals these things to us. Not all at once, but maybe step by step, God reveals to us the things that um, God desires to happen in the world. Isaiah speaks of these things. And if you'll look back at that, we we heard that scripture read earlier. It came from Isaiah chapter 42. And if you will uh, look at that, you'll you'll see some uh, very incredible words uh, about Christ. Here is my servant whom I uphold. Or actually, these are things about the servant that they were looking forward to. They were looking for this one who was going to come and lead them out of oppression and lead them out of uh, exile, that they would uh, be able to get back home and get to uh, the things that they would call home. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And if you'll look there in the, uh, the scripture, I think we have it uh, here on the, the screen. Um, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. These are the things that this servant or Messiah or chosen one was to come and to do for them. And as we hear this, we hear of God's concern for people who are in uh, oppression, people who are suffering, people who have uh, been pushed down and hurt, people who are crying out. That God hears those cries Last week we talked a little bit about Jesus as this new Moses that is coming to lead people out of an Egypt of sorts, out of the slavery and the bondage that they found themselves in. And and Jesus would lead them into a promised land, into a better kingdom. And this is what we see in the description here this morning, that God is going to send someone to help them. And this person is going to be uh, faithfully devoted to bringing forth justice. 
So this justice, and in fact, it appears in this, these nine verses a couple of times about faithfully devoted to justice. You can't read uh, the Hebrew Scripture without coming to terms with the fact that God is overly concerned with justice. We see this over and over again. All of these prophets, and by the way, most of them are quite strange, aren't they? Think about Jeremiah. He actually eats Scripture. You know, God tells him to eat it, and he eats it. And uh, just some really bizarre things that go on with how God directs the prophets to get the word out to people about justice. Sometimes it was going to nations and telling them, God is going to deal with you in a very harsh way if you don't stop what you're doing to other people. All of the oppressive acts and the things that you're doing to push people down and to keep them from from enjoying what I have for them. If you don't stop, there are going to be consequences. And so these prophets were always getting into trouble for speaking for God. But it was about justice. It was this calling that God was giving not only to this particular servant, and by the way, that is the name, that, that's the description that's used here, servant. But it was for the entire nation that God's people would recognize that they were called to be a light to the nations. And in this particular painting, which is done by uh, Jan Richardson, uh, it is called Emerging Epiphany. And you, you get the idea here that epiphany, of course, is light. It is bringing light or shining light, bringing something out into the open to where you could see it, where you could feel it, you could understand its reality, that God is doing this for us. And uh, in this you can see the, the light in the middle and how it just kind of branches out and you see um, it illuminates the world around it. And that's what God is doing through the prophets. That is what God is speaking from Isaiah's lips into the world around him. There is this great, huge calling that God had given to them. As we hear this today, we see that that we have a calling as well. And as we begin a brand new year, we see that we really fall right into these pages, don't we? Isn't there still a need for justice? If you think about these words that are here, I will keep you and and I'll make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles or for the nations. Uh, It wasn't just about a particular group of people. It wasn't just about this particular part of land. It was for all nations. God has always been interested in everyone. And the uh, people of Israel were to be conduits of God's blessing and light to the nations around them. The problem is, and the problem was for them, when they started to see that it was just about themselves. That God wanted the light just for them. God wanted to bless and prosper just them. And they held on to those blessings and didn't allow God to, to use them, to distribute them. And to open the eyes that are blind, we still we live in a world uh, where there is uh, a lot of, and not just in a physical way, uh, you know, people who are blind, but spiritually, emotionally, 
Uh, you can think about that in a lot of different terms, but also to free the captives from prison. Uh, and, and we think again about in a literal sense, um, and that's certainly true, but also in a spiritual sense. You may not have ever been in jail or prison uh, in a physical sense, but I'll bet you have in a spiritual sense, maybe an emotional sense where, where you feel very confined, that something has kept you from the freedom that God has designed for your life. And at different times in our lives, we find ourselves in these dungeons uh, and sitting in darkness. Think about that. When was the last time that you found yourself in darkness looking for light? It's a stressful kind of situation. Uh, You stumble around in the dark. You're trying to find your way and you just can't. And maybe that's what led some of you to this church. Somebody told you about Church for the Highlands or they told you about another church and, and you went because you wanted to find some help. You wanted to find some light. Light that would come from someone else, maybe that has been through something that you're going through. Maybe it's the light of uh, the support that you get from a church family. If you weren't caught on your way in by Charlene Kelly to fill out one of the four cards this morning... Uh, She will get you, and she'll get you to sign one. But we do that because we support one another. And if you've ever gotten one of those in the mail, you know how supportive that is to say, wow, look at all these names. Maybe I don't know all the names that are on there, but these people are helping me feel better about me and about my day, about my life. And I know that I could call on these people if I need them and when I need them. There are a lot of different things that we are called to do. And we can think about that in the sense of being a church. Uh, Who are we called to be as a church in this community? I was leading a class this morning, a membership discovery class, and it's always a blessing to go back and think about when just a few of us gathered uh, together to say, what would it look like for a new church to uh, be born into this neighborhood? And as we began to think and pray and talk and plan, just the excitement that was there to say, we have a calling from God. I mean, there's no other reason we would have done it. It was too difficult to do if we had not had a calling from God to do that. So we think about it in the sense of being a church, but also as individuals. What is God calling you to do in this next year? Have you thought about it? We have a congregational design team that is about 10 to 12 people that uh, are coming together once a week for about 10 weeks uh, to pray and to talk about and do some dreaming and, and to consider, God, what would you have us be as a church? Who would you have us to be? And what would you have us do? Those are two very important questions for us as a church but they are also important for you as individuals in the church. For what your life will look like in 2017 as you go to work, as you go back home as a part of your family, as you live in your neighborhood or the people around you, 
Who has God called you to be? And what has God called you to do? Students, as you go to school, God has a calling for you there. And it's a big, huge plan that God wants you to be a part of in this world. It's a part of giving light and giving care and love to the people around you. Well, the uh, scripture today that, that we heard from the gospel is, a, I think, a real practical example for us to follow when we think about this plan. If you'll look there in Matthew, and, and as Mike read this scripture earlier, uh, it describes for us the baptism of Christ. Now, how do we go from Jesus in a manger all the way to Jesus as this young adult who was being baptized? I mean, that's a quick jump, isn't it? Matthew just gets right to it. He says, yes, okay, Jesus was born and this is how it took place. But it's almost like he's saying the really important stuff, we're just going to get right to that. When Jesus begins his ministry, he does it by taking the very first step for him was baptism. Think about it. Why was Jesus baptized? I mean, what, what need would Jesus have to be baptized. Well, what we see is that Jesus was identifying with us. Jesus was God's way of identifying with humanity. And as John the Baptist was out there calling people to come and repent of their sins and be baptized, he was in essence saying, come and have this new beginning. This is a brand new beginning to get on the right page with God to get your life aligned with where God is going. And John got in a lot of trouble because he talked to the people of his own religion saying, you're missing it. You're not a light. You're dark. You're you're living in darkness. You're not about justice. You've come up with all kinds of ways to swindle people in the name of God. You're excluding people. You're hating people. All of this stuff is going on. This is not what God called you to be and do. John said, if you want to do what God has called you to do, come join me in this river. And let me baptize you so that you can make an outward show that you're committed to God. And so this is what was going on. Jesus had no sins to repent of. We understand from Scripture that he was perfect in every way. And yet he was identifying with us. That was really the first step of his ministry. And to say, I'm on God's page. I'm going to go in the way that God wants me to go. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that. As Jesus is there and as Matthew describes, and by the way, the different gospel writers uh, portray this in different ways. Matthew's description is Jesus goes into the water and as he has this conversation with John about being baptized, he wants to be baptized by John. And so John does this as he's coming up out of the water. He sees this heavenly scene of heavens being, as Mark says, ripped open. Matthew just describes the heavens are opened and he sees the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. I love this painting and, uh, and, and how the dove you know, is coming down upon Christ. And you see the gold that's there representing God's presence and God's activity, but also 
the activity that is within Christ himself, that, that, that Jesus is God incarnate. And there's this wonderful interaction going on between heaven and earth through Christ. And then the voice of God saying, hey, this is my son. This is my beloved. And this affirmation of who Jesus would be in the world. So all of this is happening as a result of a step that Jesus took in his life. I have uh, described before about how I am a, um, I'm a nerd in many ways. But one of the ways is uh, with something called Getting Things Done. Uh, and uh, there's a book that's out uh, that came out a few years ago. By the way, David Allen is from Shreveport. Um, I found this out one time. I was looking on Wikipedia uh, under uh, Getting Things Done, which is a philosophy for uh, not really time management, but life management about if you're going to get things done, there is a process for doing things, and uh, it's the art of stress-free productivity. And uh, he talks about in the book uh, projects. We all have projects. We all have things to do. And we get overwhelmed by things to do, right? Like right now, probably you're in your mind or on a piece of paper. Uh, See, you think that I think you're taking notes on my sermon. But I know that you're not taking notes. You're making a grocery list, right? Or you're making a list of the things you have to do this week. Or you're making a list of the things that uh, maybe your resolutions. That's what it is. You're making a list of things uh, that you're going to do in this next year. But... Those lists can be very overwhelming. And what David Allen says is you've got to bring all that under control. And you have to to take a look at all of this and figure out what is my next step, right? So if you're going to lose weight, uh, you think, wow, that's really what I want to do. It's a great big project in my life. It's almost going to be a miracle for this to take place, but I'm going to do it. And then you say, but I don't know what to do next. Should I find out what foods I should eat or shouldn't eat? Or should I start, come up with an exercise plan? Or should I buy this piece of equipment or whatever? David Allen says, find out what the next step is and define it. Write it out. So my next step is, I am, if I'm going to start exercising... I'm going to get my clothes out that I will wear in exercising. I'm going to get them out so that when I get up in the morning, there's my next step. I'm going to put on my shoes, my running shoes. Or if I'm going to um, go on a diet and, and not eat everything that's in the refrigerator that's bad for me, my next step is I'm going to get everything out of my refrigerator that I know is bad for me, and I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to give it to somebody else. So that, that's my next step. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'll take the next step after that and the next step. But he says that it is so necessary to clarify what your next step is. How many of us get ourselves in, into places of being overwhelmed by not identifying our next step? As you think about spiritual things, as you think about what God wants to do in your life, have you really defined what the next step is? Well, I want to read my Bible more in 2017. That's a pretty broad project, isn't it? What's your next step? 
Or you say, uh, I, I'm going to be involved in serving in the church. I know I need to do it. I know there's some things I need to do, but I'm not really sure where to start. Come up with the next step. Well, I'm, I'm going to sign up for a missional ministry team. Or uh, I hear about the, the veterans program. I've always wanted to go and uh, celebrate birthdays once a month with them, but I, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm going to talk to Ralph Blake. I know he is the uh, team leader for that, and, and I can find out what my next step is from him. Or Thursday night dinners. I have no idea. I just know there's a huge meal and everybody's excited about it, but I don't know what to do. Find the next step and write it down. Say, this is what I'm going to do. And as a church, as we come to an understanding about what God's calling us to do, we need to say, here's our next step. Yes, we want to make a difference in the neighborhood. And here's what we need to do next to be able to do it. We don't have to understand all the next steps, but what's the very next step that God has for us? God wants us to be involved in things that we've heard about in Isaiah. To bring justice. To bring forth justice. Justice is a right relationship with God that flows into a right relationship with the people around us. It's that simple. Jesus said to the guy who came up to him who was overwhelmed, he said, I don't know what to do next. I've done all this stuff, but I... I, you know, what else am I supposed to do? And, God, and Jesus says, love God and then love neighbor. That's it. Those are the two things to keep up with. You don't have to know all six or 700 laws. Just know there are two things. Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Next steps. And we need to understand that as well and how we live out that uh, justice to other people. When we love God, we're going to care for people. When we love God, we're going to care for people who are fleeing Syria, who these children, uh, sometimes their parents are killed or they've seen horrific things, then we welcome them into a safer environment. When someone's house burns in the Highland neighborhood, we say, well, justice is that we're going to help them get connected to community resources. And Larry Mahaffey had a phone call about this uh, this past week, uh, somebody's house that had burned and was helping them get connected. The same thing goes with uh, all the needs that we experience here in the community. It's one thing to say, well, we're here to help poor people. We're, we're going to provide a meal. But what is causing them to not be able to have enough income when everybody in the household is working and they still don't have enough money to pay the bills and then get groceries. There's something wrong with that. What do we as a church say about that? Maybe we need to find some livable wages in in this community. Maybe we need to get more involved with what Interfaith is doing to provide living wage jobs for people. We think about the high incarceration rate. This gets to this about dungeons and sitting in darkness that Louisiana is, is the you know, number one uh, state in terms of incarcerating people, especially black males. It's growing even with, with females. There's something wrong with that. 
when we have more people in prison than you know, any nation in the world, there's something wrong. What can we do as a church? Where does justice play into that? So there's so many different ways that we can get involved right here from this place. God's great plan and the next steps that God intends for us to have as we set out to make a difference. Uh, I was reading uh, an article about uh, Michelangelo's uh, unfinished sculptures. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, uh, but this was in an article called The Liberating Touch um, that was in a uh, discipleship journal article. And uh, John Stevens wrote this. He says, When I visited a museum in Italy, I was struck by four partially finished sculptures. These were figures Michelangelo originally intended to use on the tomb of Pope Julius. But midway through the project, he decided not to use them, and he just ceased to work on them. Now, as someone with ADD, I can totally identify with that because if I was making statues, they would you know, all be half-finished. I would move on to uh, something else. But there is a hand protruding here, a torso of a man there, a leg, a part of a head, but none of them are finished. Nearly everyone who sees these works, he says, senses the turmoil, the struggle embodied in these figures. It is as though they are crying to break free from the prison of the marble to become what they were intended to be. That's sad, isn't it? He says, author Theodore Roeder looked on these four figures that Michelangelo called the captives, and he wrote, When I looked at those partial figures, they stirred up in me a deep longing to be completed, an ache to be set free from that which distorts and disguises, imprisons and inhibits my humanness, my wholeness. But as with those statues, I cannot liberate myself. For that, I need the hand of another. As I think about that, I think of the great truth of the Scripture we have heard here today. God is about liberation. God is all about bringing light and justice into this world. And that is our big project to work on. And God says, if you need more help, here's the next step. Step with Jesus into this grand project by getting involved. Let us pray. God, we